0: You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I'm here with my friend, Steve Fratzen, the founder of Be That Lawyer. I've been following Steve for a number of years. He has an amazing podcast. If you haven't heard it, tune in. Here's why you should listen to Steve. Without going like back in his 20-year history in the industry, he's the guy who helped hundreds of lawyers double and triple their book of business. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sasha. Good to be here. If today you and I bought a law firm, What are the top three things you would focus our energy on to help us double or triple our business?
1: If we bought a law firm together, oh my God, we need to move to Utah so we could do that right away. But if you and I had the marketing and we had the business development and then we hired a bunch of lawyers to do the work, we would make a fortune. So that's we'll just put that out there and leave that sitting for a little bit. But for lawyers looking to grow today, there's some planning and some execution that needs to happen. One of the things that lawyers know, two things is one is they they don't learn anything about marketing, business development, time management organization in law school and mostly at the law firm level. So, you know, they have to work with folks like you and I right. to get to the next level as it relates to how to grow law practice. The second part is that it used to just be if you were a great lawyer, you could basically write your ticket like my father did as a retired attorney, retired at 65 and, you know, I had plenty of money in the bank and all that he did build relationships and he did some networking and things that he didn't call it that. He didn't know that that he had to do any of that. It just sort of happened naturally because he was smart and put himself around good people and made friends in the courtroom. Today, any recruiter would tell you that, you know, if you don't have your own clients, your own book of business, you're putting yourself at risk in your career. So that's really what has changed really in the last 20 years. And why I got into this industry was because there was such a need to teach lawyers the things that they didn't pick up in law school and helping them to get to the next level in how they take control of their lives and in their legal careers. So what specifically what we do? I'm not doing the marketing stuff. So, you know, the websites, the SEO, the newsletters, all that, I hand that off to you and, and others that can handle that kind of stuff. I'm really helping with the blocking and tackling of how to plan for your year, your quarter, your month, your day, and helping lawyers actually learn systems and methodologies to be a more effective networker, to be a more effective retainer of clients, to cross market, to get referrals from their clients, like anything and everything that that is low-hanging fruit that they may be missing, we look at that first. We get that into a plan. And if somebody has no clients at all and needs to start from the very beginning, what does that look like? How do we start building that personal brand and getting them out and networking and in a way that's gonna start building a positive book of business, you know, if they currently don't have one?
0: Okay. Talk to us specifically about legal business development, like the title of your book. It isn't rocket science, but I think most professionals get it wrong. What is business development? Because I think most people misunderstand the concept. And if you and I bought a law firm, how would we go about training our attorneys to do proper business development so their book of business would actually swell up?
1: So I always like to break up business development and marketing into two different banks. Like on one side, there's The marketing and developing a website, developing a newsletter, getting your emails together, social media, personal branding. So, there's how are you getting your name out there to show your expertise and to build your brand, whether you're at a law firm or you're on your own? It's still you, Inc. You have to have your own personal brand that's going to help carry you along. But it's the blocking and tackling of Developing a plan and executing on specific strategies that are going to make sense for how you grow your book of business. How do you bring in clients? How do you get from a half a million to a million or from a hundred thousand to five hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, whatever it might be? And that's going to be, you know, the business development, which is the personal relationships you develop, the strategic partnerships you develop. So you and I both work with lawyers, right? That's our game. That's what we do. So if we sat down and we went through our list, I went through the lawyers I work with, you went through the lawyers you work with, and we felt that there were some that needed marketing and I could get them to you. And you, there were some that you felt needed business development. You could get them to me. That's what a good strategic partnership does. And so I've got those relationships with other legal vendors around the country. That's how I do it. Now, if you're an estate planning lawyer and you know that the people that are talking to state plans all the time are financial planners, divorce attorneys, criminal attorneys, people that you know, personal injury attorneys, where where people are coming into a lot of money, okay, hundred thousand or more, whatever it might be, that's where we want to go. We want to look at targeted how we spend our time in a targeted way that's going to be efficient. So, if we wanted to build a law practice together and we wanted to train our attorneys, we'd say, look, there's some there's some planning elements, there's some execution elements, and there's some follow up elements. We need to do all three of those in order to be successful. And then I would basically teach them what I know, which is what I do every day. Like I I don't have secrets. Like everything I know, I teach to my clients so that they
0: can essentially be sustainable and successful through the rest of their career. Super interesting. I love that example that you used with estate planning attorneys. We have plenty of clients in that space. I find that with most attorneys, they would rather wait for the business to come in rather than go and be proactive at getting that business right, the few different types of professionals that you have mentioned that could be good sources of business for estate planning attorneys, how would you go about developing a system that would help make those connections? Again, systematically, because I think anyone can do like this sporadic outreach. And most people, most professionals do when they get hungry, right? When business slows down, this is when we all get up in the arms and we're like, I got to go do something, which arguably is a little bit too late. You want to start doing it well in advance of your business slowing down. So your business never does. But like, what would we do systematically or our attorneys would do systematically in order to make sure that that water is always flowing?
1: I mean, one of the simplest things that I advise on pretty frequently is leveraging low hanging fruit, which is in simplest terms, your existing contacts, your existing clients, the people that you know well. So let's say that an attorney is an estate planner and has a list of, let's say, 200 people, clients, friends, family, other lawyers, people went to law school with, whatever it might be. Let's say it's 200. Can we get that list and can we start labeling people A, B, and C? And what are those defined as? So an A would be best relationship and most likely to have the kind of network where referrals would happen pretty easily. So you and I have this great relationship. You're working with exactly who I want to work with. That would be an A potential relationship, right? Right. Okay, but let's say that you and I haven't talked for 10 years. I think you are well connected in the legal space, but we haven't connected in 10 years. Maybe you're going to be a B because you're the relationship's good, not great, but you have all the opportunity to refer me in the world. So I'm going to get a list of the A's, the B's and the C's, and I'm going to start determining how I'm going to approach those folks through an email message saying, you know, hey, Sasha, it's been a long time. Love to reconnect with you. I think based on our time in the legal space. There might be some ways to help each other if we want to reconnect. The estate planner would do that with clients to upsell. I haven't reviewed your estate plan in a long time. There's a lot of changes in the law. You might've changed like, you know, what's going on with your estate, with your business, with your kids, who's going to get your kids, all that stuff could be changing. Maybe we should meet and talk about that. Maybe I offer estate planning, but I also offer real estate or other services. Maybe we could talk about that and there might be some crossover stuff or Maybe we talk because I know that you, as my estate planning client, you've got a big family of five siblings. They might have kids and families and they're unprotected as it relates to an estate plan. Or who's your financial advisor? If you're my client, you've got a financial advisor, you own a business, you're worth millions, okay? Can I get in front of your financial advisor? So now I'm not looking for direct business through that meeting, but I'm saying, hey, there may be an opportunity for you to to get me into a really successful financial planner who could then we could build a relationship and they could refer me. So that's really where a lot of it starts is looking at and leveraging existing relationships and identifying that if they're not all there for business. Sometimes you can just meet someone as like a one-off and that could turn into business or that could turn into your next top strategic
0: partner, people that refer you regularly. Yeah, for sure. That's super interesting. I'm thinking about those like once in a lifetime connections that could really make things happen for you. And you never know what that one connection is going to be. Like Steve Jobs, when he met Wozniak. If he didn't meet Wozniak, it is possible that Apple would have never happened. It could have been something else entirely, much smaller, not as good. Yeah. That one connection, right, just created this very special thing, right? So I think about these connections and they think about how do we build them systematically? And whenever I think about like one-time outreach, it often feels like I'm there to ask for something and it benefits me and doesn't really benefit the other person. How do we build those connections systematically without making us feel, and that person feel like, I'm just here to take and take and take and take. Yeah. It's a
1: big part of what I'm working on with lawyers is helping them craft language that makes it non-salesy, that makes it non-aggressive, it makes it it's simple and easy. And I'm gonna give away three different approaches that I teach my clients that I think your audience would really enjoy and appreciate because one of the things to your point, Sasha, is that the discomfort in asking a client, for example, that you know maybe you have a really good relationship with for another client. For if it's a GC you're working with, right, general counsel, to ask that general counsel to introduce you to other general counsels, it can be very uncomfortable And feel like you're, to your point, like you're asking for something and maybe it's kind of a take situation. So the three that I'll give you, and we're going to use this example of a general counsel. So I'm, let's say that I'm a litigator, okay? And I work with general counsels on their labor and employment litigation, okay? And I've got a client. First thing I want to tell you is the relationship has to be very, very strong. So not only is there a social relationship, personal relationship, but but I've also done well in court. Like I haven't lost everything for this GC, right? They appreciate my skills. They think I'm a great lawyer and we have a great personal relationship. Maybe we're not going out for dinner every week, but we have a relationship where we talk like we're friends. We are friends, okay? Can we set that tone first? Because that's the first thing you need to do is you need to make sure that that you're likable, that you're trusting, likable, and that you're a great lawyer. Let's say that that exists as I just stated. The next thing I would say is what I call the quid pro quo. And essentially the quick pro quo is to suggest to the client that I've got something for you and it would also be lovely if you had something for me. And so how that's stated can be something like this. Listen, I know, you know, one thing that, that we haven't done a ton of is make connections for each other. I, I know that, you you know, you've got a big network. I do too. And I'd love to sit down with you and just talk about who are you looking for your next assistant GC? I may know someone, I know that you're looking to get your your son into Michigan and I've got some connections over there. There might be some ways to help each other. You know, I'm in business, obviously, as a lawyer. So maybe there's some way we can add value for each other. But Sasha, is that something you'd be open to when we get Absolutely. together to lunch? Okay. So I'm not suggesting you need to give me. I'm suggesting we can help mm-hmm. each other and are you open mm-hmm. to that. Now, is that approach for everybody in every situation? The answer is no. But in some situations, like with my clients, there isn't a client I work with that I couldn't have that exact conversation with most of my clients get between five and 10 referrals from me through the eight months that we work together. And I don't do that as a part of a deal or contract or anything. That's just how I operate. My job is to help them in every way I can. And when you're helping others and feeding them contacts and making connections, it makes it so much simpler and smoother for you to eventually make an ask and actually get results with it. So that's only one of the three that I'm going to give you. The second one is what I call happy, happy. Now, that's a stupid way to say something. You've never heard someone say happy, happy. So I generally get a smile when I say happy, happy, because it's just very dumb to say that. But the idea and the way that it's memorable is, Sasha, you've been very happy with the work I've done for you in court and helping you protect yourself from risks. We've gotten you out of a number of jams. And the idea that you're going to introduce me to other people that I could benefit in the same way could make you happy and me happy. People like to help their friends and like to do good things for others. If I had the best brain surgeon in the world and you told me that someone that you care about had a brain tumor needed the best surgeon and I gave you that surgeon, would you be okay with that? You'd be happy about that. I, maybe I saved your friend's life because I made that suggestion of that doctor. So we look at it that way, that if you're really, really good at what you do as a lawyer, you've done great for your client, you can say, listen, I know, Sasha, How happy you've been working with me the last five years and we've built this great friendship. I have to believe, and you know me, I'm, I'm always looking to, to grow my law practice and feed my troops back at the, at the firm, that there's other general counsels that you have relationships with and other companies that I could be helping in a very similar fashion. And I don't want to overstep any boundaries, but is that, you know, is that something we could talk about briefly? Because I feel like there might be, you know, a three-way winner if we could find, you know, one or two people that would make sense but I don't want to overstep any boundaries. Is that okay with you, Sasha? No, it'd be okay with me. So in this scenario, it's you're happy. I could make someone else happy. Can we talk about it? And notice that in both of those examples I've given you, it's all been permission-based. It's all been, are you okay with that? Does that work for you? Are you going to be all right with that? If you said, no, I'm not comfortable with that, fine. Then I'd either want to know why, or I'd want to maybe I just move on and realize, you know, maybe the relationship isn't what I had quite thought. Maybe I need to work on that. Now, the last one I'm going to give you, Sasha, is the game changer because there's a lot of attorneys that are introverts. There's a lot of attorneys who are super uncomfortable. Even with the two examples I just gave you, there's someone listening right now that's going, I would never say either of those. That's too uncomfortable no matter what Fredson tells me. I'm not going to go for it. This one is called okay, not okay. So, If I go downstairs right now, my wife is home from school today, or she's a teacher, but she's home because of of the day off. And I told her I've got a splitting headache and I don't know what to do about it. She would go into action very quickly. Can I get you some aspirin? Can I help you with this? Do you want me to massage your temples? Whatever it's going to be, if I'm not okay, she's going to come to my rescue and help me to be okay. You with me so far? So what we're going to do in this scenario is we're actually going to admit to our GC client the not okayness that we're feeling with what we're doing as we're doing it. This is legit. This isn't BS and made up. You're an introvert. You're not comfortable with asking for something. That's why I'm telling you to use this this specific approach. And so this is what it sounds like. You know, Sasha, there's something I've been meaning to you know bring up to you. And you know me, there's nothing that makes me more uncomfortable than asking for something from someone that sends me business every year. But look, I'm in a place in my career where I need to continue to bring in business and, and help to feed the troops at my firm. And I would really appreciate if we could take even a few minutes to talk about some other general counsels that you may know, maybe ones that worked with you and left and they're in another company that I might be able to help the way I've helped you the last number of years. But obviously, if there's, if there's any discomfort in you having this conversation with me, just tell me now and you know we'll move on and I'll never bring it up again. So, timeout. So that's kind of an example. And you can tweak, obviously, the language any way you want. But don't you think that someone that likes me, that I've done great work for, and I approach them in that not okay position, that they're going to come to my rescue and say, are you kidding me, Steve? I would walk over, you know, across water, you know, coals for you, whatever. You've been the best lawyer I've ever had. What do you need? You tell me and I'll do it. You give me a list of names, I'll I'll introduce you as much as I can. And the lawyer that does this is going to go, holy Crap. I haven't been asking for 10 years. Why? Because I didn't have Fredson's okay, not okay approach. Now you have it. Now you can start you know, getting all kinds of big deals that you never thought you could get in the door and now they're at your disposal. So these are little things that I'm teaching out of a lot that I teach, you know, and then you do it once or twice, you get that experience of of success and that it worked and that, oh my God, I could do this, you know, five times, 10 times a year with different clients you're going to bring in the business. There's a bunch of other steps involved, but that's just the idea of how do I bring it up in a way that's not going to make me feel salesy.
0: I loved that last one. And here's why. By the way, I am extremely extroverted, but I feel whenever someone comes to me from a place of humility and asks for help, I will do everything to help them out. If somebody comes to me and says, give me some referrals, if I really like you and if I have some ready to go referrals, sure. Right. But if somebody comes and says, I need help, I could really use your help with this. And here's why, right? Like my business is growing, but I have to like keep on producing or my family grew. I have to keep on producing or something else. If you give that a little extra like nudge with the reason I will break all the barriers, climb over mountains to help you out. And I think most people, want to be good and because we want to be good we want to be helpful to others so i think that that's just such a simple and brilliant approach and for someone who is introverted who may have that hurdle to overcome to like come out straight and say like hey connect me with some people because i've been doing good work for you i think that that approach is just brilliantly simple but may also take some tries to get it down and when i say that i think that once again asking for help may feel very uncomfortable at first but you do it like everything else, five, seven, eight, 10 times, and all of a sudden, it just becomes a habit. Speaking of habits, I assume that just like with everything else, when it comes to growing your business, you're growing your law firm, through business development, this should be systematic. It shouldn't be like a one-time or, God forbid, it shouldn't be like, okay, I'm doing well now, I can stop doing this. Do you help your clients actually develop a plan that they execute on consistently throughout the year, every year? Yeah. So I teach them,
1: I don't just help them set up a plan. I teach them the planning process so that they can plan because I'm not working with lawyers forever. I work with them. They go through my MBA style program. So the idea that I help them plan, yes. The other piece of it is tracking. Most lawyers don't track anything. And you know, in in SEO and other things on marketing, it's all about the measurables, right? So if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So the idea that I'm teaching lawyers, not only where the low-hanging fruit is and how to write a plan that's tactical and actionable, but also giving them tracking tools. Mine's in the form of an an Excel spreadsheet. But what it does is essentially lets them know I have enough activity to cover the month of what I need to do to get the results I'm looking for and identify how the conversions are going. So just as an example, let's say someone starts off with me and they go on 10 networking meetings, coffees, 10 networking coffees. And at the end of 10, They have how many next steps? Referrals made, referrals getting, things that are happening. How is it changing from a coffee meeting to something that's going to happen after? Well, let's say that they only have two next steps out of the 10. Well, I would want to look at that with them, talk through what happened in that meeting. Was there structure? Was there systems? Was there a plan? Was there execution? Were their next steps? The answer is no. Well, then we need to fix that and get them to, so eight out of 10, 10 out of 10 have next steps of some sort that's where the traction is as it relates to getting business and and developing new strategic partnerships and relationships from networking. So it's all about the plan and then all about the tracking. And then most of my clients just continue using those two tools through the rest of their careers. I might talk to them 10 years later and they go, you know, Steve, I'm still using that activities journal. I go, good. You know, if you need it, others internalize it at such a level that they just know they've got to do an hour a day. They've got to do 30 minutes a day. They got to do two hours a week. Whatever it is, they just make it a routine. Like some people don't have to have it in their calendar that they work out in the morning. They just go, every morning you work out, three days a week you work out. You don't have to have it written down. So it's really up to the individual how it gets internalized, those habits. And then they just stay on, as long as they stay on autopilot
0: and continue making improvements, they're always going to do well. Makes complete sense. Let me ask you this. So- if I were one of your coaching clients, how many hours would you say that I need to set aside to business development every week? I am a guy who plans, like my calendar is mapped out before the week event begins. Everything is there. How many hours?
1: So that's not going to be a straightforward answer because I have lawyers that are billing 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, 30 hours a week. So there's there's how much time is, are they billing? How much of that work should they really be doing versus not doing? Right. Time management and delegation are huge parts of what I work with lawyers on. Mm -hmm. Because if I find that they're billing a ton of hours, but most of the work they're doing is way below their pay grade or, or they're they're a senior level partner doing associate level work, we have to figure out how to get out of that situation. But if someone's billing 30 hours a week, 40 hours a week, we figure out how much time can they rationally and reasonably put into business development? And where is that low hanging fruit? I'll give you the best example. I have an estate planning attorney. We're talking about estate planning attorneys a lot, but he doesn't have to do anything around business development other than when he gets his clients on the phone, he needs to do the upsell, the cross sell, and the asking for quality introductions like we just went through a few minutes ago. He doesn't have to do any other business development other than that. He's talking to clients all day, every day. When he gets them on the phone and he can say at the end of a conversation, hey, I just wanted to ask you, I know a lot of people that I'm, I'm doing estate plans for, they're having big tax issues this year. Just want to clarify, you know, are your tax... No, my taxes are all messed up. In fact, I, I was going to call someone about that. Well, you know, we actually do that at our firm. We've got one of the top tax attorneys who's two doors down from me. His name's Bob Jones. And we think it would make a lot of sense for the three of us to sit down and hash out what's going on from you with, from a tax perspective because I want to make sure you're protected moving into the end of the year. Now that brings in a $50,000 in tax work that never was going to happen without that extra question being asked. Or I know, you know, as a CEO of ABC Corp, you're dealing with a lot of other CEOs. I think you even mentioned you're in some kind of CEO roundtable where you're networking and meeting with a lot of CEOs. Who should I be talking to, Sasha, that you know would be really good for me? So now we're doing some of the stuff I went through earlier. But this lawyer doesn't actually have to plan out business development at all. He just has to commit to when he gets on the phone with a client, and not every call, but once every quarter with a client, he's got to ask those questions. He's got to be secured how he's going to upsell, cross-sell, and get introductions. Again, even if it's to that CEO's financial advisor, that CEO's divorce attorney, because She just went through a divorce. You want to meet that divorce attorney because that's a high-end divorce attorney. They're going to need to send people to high-end estate planners. So there's all that business just sitting out there. The easiest way when I talk to lawyers, it's like there's a huge pile of money sitting in front of them and they've been walking around it for years. That's what I'm seeing, right? I love it. You probably see that too on the marketing side. You're like, oh my God, you guys are killing it at ABC type of work, but no one knows about you. Well, we need to change that. So that's the kind of stuff to be from someone that needs total structure and time set aside and they need to, you know, I even help them set up accountability buddies like workout buddies for business development. So they get it done every single week without fail, all the way to the last example I gave you of someone who doesn't need to plan out much. He just needs to make sure that he's got a note on his computer that says, don't forget to bring it up because and have those questions ready and be prepared. I mean, I've got that example ever. He's already built a couple hundred grand onto his book this year just from doing that.
0: This year, and we're recording this early October.
1: Yeah. So just this year and working with me for the last six months, he's already adding on 150, 200,000 onto his book for the year without doing a ton of business development other than continually being prepared to talk with clients that think he's amazing because he is about the other things that his firm does and about the referrals that they should be making to him because he's damn good.
0: So by the end of the year, this could be $300,000 in additional business. And next year, it's going to snowball and be multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars in additional business, all because he knows who to ask, what to ask, and he does it.
1: Yeah. He's executing on the things that we found were the lowest hanging fruit for him. And when he meets with new people, I teach sales-free selling, which is a whole methodology of how to meet with presidents, GCs, and new prospective clients, and how to walk them through a buying decision. So he's not going to lose business to competitors, he's not going to lose business to apathy or people not doing anything. That's a big killer of business, is people that they have a problem, but they just let it sit, and they don't deal with it because they don't have the urgency My processes drive out urgency, drive up urgency so that someone that might be kicking the can down the road for six months says, I got to take care of this with urgency now so the problem doesn't get worse. And that lawyer can lock up that business without selling anything.
0: That's fascinating. So from minutes per day to maybe a couple hours a week.
1: Or a couple hours a day. I mean, again, if somebody, there are lawyers these days more than ever that, have decided that their future of how they want to practice law is to actually practice very little. They enjoy the business development. They enjoy the rainmaking and they've got all the lawyers that could knock out the reports and the depositions and all that stuff. They don't have to actually do it as long as they keep developing relationships and bringing in the business. They can actually make a lot more money and have a lot more control and freedom in their careers. That's not for everybody. Most have the balance of the business development and the, and the billable hours. That's what most law firms want. But others just say, look, I'm going to kind of write my own ticket. If I build a 2 to $5 million book, there's no one at the firm that's going to be more valuable than me. And guess what? I'm not going to have to sit and, you know, review briefs for hours and hours and hours a day, which is they're thrilled about.
0: Fascinating. Yet, the truth of the matter is that most lawyers, even after listening to this, even after re- reading your books, would still not do it. No. Because what you said is so true. What's easy to do is even easier not to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I equated, and this is is maybe a little harsh. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just goofing around. The way I'm talking, the way that it it is with lawyers, there's only about 10% of the total population that are truly interested in learning and growing and developing. Some already have it. Most don't. And so I say I'm a little bit like a fitness trainer talking to a group of individuals that are obese and they've got a Twinkie in one hand and a Ho-Ho in the other. Like the last thing they want to hear when they're, they're obese, holding those treats is a fitness trainer telling them, put down the treats and let's, let's do some jumping jacks. I'm that guy, unfortunately, who's saying, look, there's a way through this mess of of legal career with control and freedom and more money and more you know ability to ha- can call the shots, but it's going to take some real effort and some real work we can cut through all the harsh sides of it and go right to the heart of how to do it with methodology, systems, and process. That's better than figuring it out on your own or winging it, but that's also an investment of time, money,
0: and energy that many attorneys aren't gonna wanna do. So true, and that's why median income for attorneys in this country as of 2020 was $122,000 a year. If you just follow what you just said, you could double that, possibly quadruple
1: that or more. How do you wanna spend your time, but again, Look, someone that wants to become a great guitar player, a great chef, a great athlete, there's effort that's going to be needed to be put in to accomplish something. Business development and legal is no different. It's going to take effort. But if you find the right coach with the right methods and process and you follow what is being taught and you're doing it and executing on the field and learning and improving, learning, improving, you're going to become an assassin. You're going to become someone that everyone would say, I want to be that lawyer. And that's why the theme of be that lawyer exists. Because there's someone at your firm, someone you know, that is that lawyer. And you're going, geez, that person's really got a great life. Well,
0: do you want that too? It's there or you just have to grab it? And the truth of the matter is those lawyers who make $500,000 a year or more work probably just as many hours as those who make $122,000. Or maybe less. Or maybe less. So the yield on that effort could be astronomical. You just have to learn from Steve how to do this and execute on it, kind of like brushing your teeth, developing that routine every day, a little bit, and it will snowball within months, couple of quarters, maybe a year, but it will definitely snowball. Steve, how do our listeners connect with you? So the easiest way is to check
1: out my website at fretsin.com. It's F-R-E-T-Z-I-N.com. And that's where I've got all the information about the various programs I run I only do two things, Sasha. I either put people through an MBA style coaching and training program that's very robust. I only work with individual attorneys, not law firms. I also run currently five peer advisory roundtables. So these are for our sophisticated rainmakers, people that have already developed books of business since many of my clients roll over to this. But it's essentially like you know a group of 10 lawyers that are all superstars that collaborate and work together as a team so everyone can achieve their goals in a confidential environment, very friendly collegial environment. And they absolutely love that program.
0: Thanks so much, Stuart. It was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Pleasure's mine. Thanks, Sasha. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com blueprint.